all the children of Israel together, all the prophets together, and Elijah asks a very simple question in verse 21. He came to all the people, he said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. What does this teach us? Listen, my friends, whether you like it or not, you have to choose. You have to choose. You make so many choices every day. In fact, Some studies suggest that people make an average of about 35,000 decisions on a daily basis. Well, today, Pastor Daniel looks at the choice the people of Israel faced. Would they follow God or Baal? You'll learn that you have to answer this question too. Everyone serves something or someone, so what's it going to be for you? Will you serve the true and living God, or will you go your own way? Now, here's Pastor Daniel in 1 Kings chapter 18 as he begins his message, The Main Event. Everybody loves it when it's time for the main event. Somebody may never watch football, but when it's the Super Bowl... They want to be there, and they love that moment. I've always been that way. I mean, I love sports. So it's not only about the championship game or the most important thing, but when there's those big events, I always want to be there. I remember as a kid growing up, it was always a blast, especially when I was younger. My New York Giants, growing up in New Jersey, being a New York sports team, I remember when the Giants won, Phil Simms was the quarterback. That was a blast. I remember a couple years later, the when Jeff Hostetler was the quarterback, That was a blast. And of course, I got the pleasure of seeing Eli Manning beat the New England Patriots and Tom Brady. Not once, but how many times? Twice. A blast. But there's just something. You can watch a game all season. But when it's the main event, when it's the Super Bowl, when it's game seven. I remember also game seven. I remember watching the New York Yankees lose to the Boston Red Sox after they were up three games none. And I remember watching those games and being like, oh, this is bad. There's just something about those main events when everything's on the line. Now it's the time. It's the decision moment. And all of us, even if you don't like sports, you realize that there's just something about those games. You know, just recently, my family, we were watching uh, that movie that came out about the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team. You know, and, and at that point, nobody had beaten the, the Russian national team in like decades. And, and that team of young players all put together, Coach Herb Brooks, it was, it's an amazing story. And, and, and I was talking to somebody about that who remembers, like, I remember that moment because that was the moment. It wasn't even possible. And then sure enough, it happened. And there's just something about the main event when it happens. And I bring this up because as we've been looking at the life of the prophet Elijah, 
we've been seeing the, the crisis that was going on in this culture with King Ahab and, and his bride, the Queen Jezebel, who were leading the people away from worshiping the true and living God. And of course, Elijah shows up and he declares a, a drought. And now for years, there's been no drought. God's been miraculously providing for Elijah, either through ravens at the brook or through this, this widow who lives self-sacrificially. And, and now it was, it's time for, for Elijah to end the drought. But before he ends the drought, it was important that there was this main event. And, 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 and really, if you know the Bible even a little bit, you have heard the story about Elijah on Mount Carmel. And that's actually what we're going to get to look at today. A message that I'm calling the main event. This is the, the apex point in that life of the prophet Elijah and, and what's going on here. So in order to get at this today, I want you to open up your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 20 to 46. 1 Kings 18, verses 20 to 46. Now, I want you to open up a, another browser window, or if you're opening up a Bible app, type in 1 Kings 18, verse 20, or of course the Crossroads mobile app that we have. If you're opening up a Bible, if you don't know where 1 Kings is, it's pretty easy to find because it's towards the beginning of the whole Bible in what we call the Old Testament. And, and it's right in between the book of 2 Samuel and 2 Kings. So if you're flipping through, you see anything with Samuel or Kings, you're almost there. If you're at Samuel, turn to your right. If you're at 2 Kings, turn to your left. Of course, 1 Kings chapter 18, picking up here in verse 20, it says this. It says, so Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophet are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls. And let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood. But put no fire under it, and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but you put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Now, what I think is so powerful about what is happening here is, remember, when Elijah saw King Ahab for the first time in three years, he said, I want you to summon all the children of Israel, the 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who who are, are sitting at Jezebel's table, and we're going to go to Mount Carmel. And so, you know, Mount Carmel was a range of mountains, a little bit less than 2,000 feet in elevation. So, so we wouldn't think of it as a big mountain range, but there it was considered, and it extended about 30 miles where modern-day Haifa is, right on the shore of the Mediterranean. Now, what's interesting is that for Elijah to want to have this main event, this standoff, at Mount Carmel would have been something that the prophets of Baal would have liked because really Mount Carmel was regarded by the Phoenicians as the sacred dwelling place of Baal. And so, so really what Elijah does here is he sets this thing up in such a way that the Baals would feel like they have home field advantage. 
right? Where, where they feel like, man, this is, this is the spot. We're going to have no problem with this. But so Ahab does what, what Elijah asks. He brings all the children of Israel together, all the prophets together. And Elijah asks a very simple question in verse 21. He came to all the people. He said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. What does this teach us? Listen, my friends, whether you like it or not, you have to choose. You have to choose. See, what was going on for the children of Israel was that they they had this great heritage of believing in the Lord God. They had heard the stories of how God called Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees and how God provided for him miraculously, giving him a a, a son in his old age when him and Sarah had had not had a child and he was the son of promise. And and then they heard the stories of of the birth of, of Isaac's twins, Esau and Jacob, and all that God did to bless Jacob. And they heard the stories of the 12 tribes and they heard the stories of Joseph and they heard the stories of how they ended up in Egypt and they heard the stories how God raised up this man Moses and his brother Aaron and and the ten plagues against the Pharaoh and they they heard the stories of the man Joshua who, who God used to help them enter into the promised land and defeat the big, the big armies there. They had heard the stories, but in their most recent history, they had been worshiping the gods of the land. Even though the law of Moses said, don't worship the gods of the land, it, it, will, be, it will be a curse upon you. So they have this heritage of believing in the true and living God, but their present day worship is really the Baals. And, and they were kind of faltering between the two. And Elijah calls them out on it. He just calls them out on it. He's saying, listen, how long will you oscillate, falter between the two opinions? If the Lord is God, then worship him. If Baal is God, then worship him. And in a lot of ways, guess what? We live in the same kind of a thing today. You know, if you look at the history of America, it's got a great heritage of people believing in the Lord. But now we have this great heritage of Christianity but now you have, hey, just, you know, worship yourself. Worship whatever you want to. Man, believe whatever you want. And, and for a lot of people, even people who regularly spend time within what we call church, gathering together in Christian communities, where really you're faltering between the two opinions. And right here, really Elijah is saying, listen, you guys, you got to choose. You got to make a choice. Because everybody worships. Everybody serves something. Good old Bob Dylan, Right? Bob Dylan. You know, I love Bob Dylan. I remember when he came to Christ and he sang that great song. You know, everybody's got to serve somebody. Everybody serves something. We're all servants of something. All of us are hardwired to worship, right? And it's time for the people of God not to falter between two different objects of their affection, but it's time for us to make a choice. And of course, Jesus said the same thing in Matthew chapter 6. Verse 24 says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, which was in that day was how they talked about money. So right there in Matthew chapter six, verse 24, we have this, you have to make a choice. Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve money? Why? Because you're going to, whichever one you serve, you're going to love that one and, and you will love the other one less or you'll be loyal to one, you'll despise the other less. And so Elijah is standing there before King Ahab, the 450 prophets of Baal, the 400 prophets of Asherah and all the people. And he's saying, listen, 
You guys got to make a choice. And, and listen, folks, you got to make a choice today. You have to make, are, are you going to worship Jesus? Or are you going to worship whatever else you choose to worship? The, you know, the, they call it in missiology, the study of missions, they call it syncretism. When people want to uh, put together Jesus and other things. And in a lot of ways, American Christianity is full of that. Where it's Jesus and then there's something else. So like you have something they call it the prosperity gospel. Really, it's no gospel at all. It's good old-fashioned materialism with Jesus put on in there. Right? And then, of course, you have all of the, the legalistic churches where we're right and you're wrong. And so you, so you take Jesus and all the rules. Like you have to read the King James Bible because God only likes his word when Shakespeare says it or something. You know what I mean? And, and you have all these different things where they're, they're mixing together Jesus plus something else. And I always like to remind people, listen, here at Crossroads, we just believe in Jesus. That's it. We don't need Jesus plus anything else. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's really that simple. But we have to make a choice. And I think for many of us right now, it's like you want to, you have one foot in and one foot out, right? You, you, like you believe in Jesus, but every time a cute guy or girl shows up, like you kind of go off this way. And in a lot of ways, that's what you call sitting on the fence. And really, a fence is not meant to be a resting place. A fence is meant to divide you between one place and another place. And what's unfortunate is for many of us, and I remember when I first started walking with Jesus, I went through this. So it's, I'm not coming down on anybody about it. Where I was, I had started to walk with Jesus, but I still had my life in the world in a lot of ways. And I knew enough of Jesus that I couldn't enjoy the world anymore. And I knew enough of the world that I couldn't enjoy Jesus. And for many of you right now, that's where you are. You are faltering between the two opinions. Where you got one foot in the, in the life of Jesus and you got another foot in whatever that thing is. You know what it is. God knows what it is. It doesn't matter if I know what it is. And really, we need to make a choice. You know, you need to choose where you are. A fence is designed to be a dividing line. And Jesus himself said, I, you know, I came to bring division, a, a sword between those who are God's kids and those who aren't. And people don't like that in the teachings of Jesus, but that's what he taught. And Elijah is speaking of the same thing right here. He's telling people, listen, you've got to choose. You're either the Lord's or you're Baal's. And so Elijah decides that what he's going to do is there's going to be a standoff. We're going to see who's God. He said, listen, we're going to choose two bulls. And I'll let the prophets of Baal choose the one that they want. Right? So they get the choice. Not only do they have home court advantage by being here on Mount Carmel, but they get to choose the bull they want. Right? And so we're going to cut the bull in pieces. We're going to lay it on wood, but no fire underneath it. Whichever bull they don't choose, I'll take that one. Same thing. Cut the bull in pieces. We're going to put it on wood, but no fire underneath it. And we're going to call upon the name of God. You call on your gods. You call on Baal you know, Asherah, I'll call on the name of the Lord. And whichever God answers by fire, he is God. So it's like, it's a standoff now. We're going to see who's really got this thing. Now what happens? Verse 25, look what happens. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first. For you are many and call upon the name of your gods, but put no fire under it. And so they took the bull which was given to them, and they prepared it. They called upon the name of Baal from morning even till noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they 
leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud for he is God. Either he is meditating or he is busy or he is on a journey or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves as was their custom with knives and lances until the blood gushed out of them. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. And then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And so all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. He to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. And then with the stones, he built an altar, and in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood, and said, fill four water pots with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time, and they did it. A second time. He said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant and that I have done these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then, verse 38, the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. And the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when All the people saw it. They fell on their face and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. Now you see what goes on. Elijah lets the prophets of Baal go first. They choose their bull and they begin. They set the whole thing up. And what do they do? They begin crying out to Baal, starting early in the morning. And for hours, three hours, nothing happens. And what does Elijah start doing? He starts giving them a hard time about it. He starts mocking them and their God. And and it's amazing what what goes on here because because as he does that, you know, he he starts to say to them, you know, listen, maybe your God is, is away. Maybe he fell asleep. Maybe he's on a journey. Maybe you guys need to, need to wake him up. So he starts mocking him. You know, and I know that kind of comes off to us as a little bit, a little bit cold on his part, but, but this is why they're there. They're, they're on, in, in Baal's home turf, Mount Carmel. They get to go first. They get to show what's going on. And when he starts doing that, then they, it says in verse 20, they begin cutting themselves as their custom was with knives. They begin to mutilate themselves. And what happens? Nothing happens. There was no voice. No one answered. No one paid any attention. Why? Because Baal's not a real God. He's not God. He, he's an idol. But then what happens? Then we start to learn something that I think is important. And I'll give you the principle, and then we'll see how Elijah does this. Really, the principle is this, is that you and I, 
You need to make the necessary preparations. You know, listen, God wants to move, but God invites us with the knobs on our side of the wall to get to be a part of this. And there are preparations to be made. I love what Elijah does here because he has let the 450 prophets and the 400 prophets of Asherah, they get to go first, but then Elijah, he has to make the right preparation. Look what he does. Verse, it says this in verse 30. Elijah said, come to me. Come near to me. And all the people came near. And what did he do? First he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been broken down. There must have been an altar there. It was in disrepair. He starts to prepare it. Then he takes 12 stones, according to the number of the t- sons of Jacob, the t- tribes of Israel. Right? Saying, Israel shall be your name. So he's saying, okay, so we have the 12, the symbolic 12 tribes. Right? And then it says, then with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order, and he put the, cut the bull in pieces, and he laid the wood on it. And then he said, fill four water pots with water and pour it out on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. So he sets up this altar. There's the, there's the 12 stones. And then he asks for water. Now, someone's bound to say, you know, listen, hey, where'd the water come from? I mean, I I thought it was a a time of drought. But listen, they were up on the mountains. They were just above the Mediterranean Sea. And so probably in the Kishon Valley below or from the Mediterranean Sea itself, they had water pots there. And so he took four large water pots and he drenched the offering. The bull is drenched with water. The wood is drenched with water. The little area below it, the trench that was built is filled with water, does this a number of times. And then, instead of having to pray forever, he prays a few short prayers, asking God to do a work. You know, and I think what's so beautiful about this is I think a lot of times we want God to do amazing things, but we actually don't want to have to do anything. And listen, It's not that our works make God do miraculous things, but we actually don't want to prepare our hearts at all. You know, like Elijah's willing to put himself out there. He's out there in front of the king, 850 prophets between Baal and the share, all the people, and he alone is doing this work. He's the majority of one. He's standing on his own. And he's doing the work. He's he's building the altar. Symbolically, the 12, he's rebuilding everything, and, he, and he's doing everything by himself, and the people are just watching him. And I think you have to ask yourself, what does God want you to prepare right now for what he wants to do? Like, with the knobs on your side of the wall, what is God wanting you to do so that he could do an amazing work in and through your life? Let me give you an example. One of the necessary preparations we need to make is we need to read the word of God every day. We can't live by bread alone, but we need to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's what Jesus said. And reading God's word not only prepares us for what God wants to do, but it transforms us to see what God is is desiring. Living lives of worship, spending time in prayer. These are all ways of making the preparations for God to do a work when we're in our community groups. And I'm so excited to see so many of you as the Crossroads family. This Crossroads is a church of groups now. And if you're not in a group, join us. Crossroadschurch.net slash groups. Join a group. Because what happens is that you're making room for what God wants to do. Jesus is real. 
Usually things that matter take some degree of preparation and work. In today's message, Pastor Daniel shared that this is also true when it comes to the work that God wants to do in the world. You learn that you need to be making preparations for him to work in and through you. And like Elijah experienced, there will be times when there's lots to do. You'll be alone in it. But the Lord is with you and wants you to be a part of the amazing work that he's doing right now. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share that how you react to the crises of life can have a profound influence on how people respond to the Lord. You'll learn that others notice when you stay grounded when life is crazy or the future is uncertain. They see the hope that you have because of Jesus and the difference it makes in your daily life. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Crisis. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.